Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to change your whole life, all your life. We hope you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. Well, I believe I've got a word for you uh, today as we start uh, a new year and uh, it's got some teaching in it. And for those who've got some ears to hear, there is um, some prophetic input that I'm going to declare over you and over your family if you are ready to receive. Uh, and uh, so we're going to go on a little bit of a, of a journey together. But I'm going to read from 2 Samuel chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6. And this is what the Bible says. That then David again gathered all the elite troops in Israel, 30,000 in all. And he led them to Bala of Judah to bring back the ark of God, which bears the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, who is enthroned between the cherubim. They placed the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from Abinadab's house, which was on a hill. Uzzah and Ahio, Abinadab's sons, were guiding the cart that carried the ark of God. Ahio walked in front of the ark that carried the ark of God. Sorry, Ariah walked in front of the ark and David and all the people of Israel were celebrating before the Lord, singing songs and playing all kinds of musical instruments, lyres, harps, tambourines, castanets and cymbals. When they arrived at the threshing floor of Nacon, the oxen stumbled and Uzzah reached out his hand and steadied the ark of God. And then the Lord's anger was aroused against Uzzah and God struck him dead because of this. So Uzzah died right there beside the ark of God. David was angry because the Lord's anger had burst out against Uzzah. And he named that place Perez Uzzah, which means to burst out against Uzzah, as it is clearly called today. David was now afraid of the Lord. And he asked, how can I ever bring the ark of the Lord back into my care? So David decided not to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom of Gath. The ark of the Lord remained there in Obed-Edom's house for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and his entire household. Then King David was told, the Lord has blessed Obed-Edom's household and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went there and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with a great celebration. After the men who were carrying the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, David sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf and David danced before the Lord with all his might wearing a priestly garment. So David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and the blowing of ram's horns. Father, as we come around your word today, I pray that beyond the voice of this preacher, the voice of God would speak into the hearts and lives of people here today. Father, I pray, Lord, that it wouldn't just be a word, but God, that people would receive something deep in their spirits that would change their lives. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You know, I, I, um, I don't know, but every time you kind of read this story or hear this story, I can't help but feel it's a bit harsh. You know, like, goodness. Um, I only reached out to steady 
the, uh, the, 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 the um, cart and, and, and now he's struck dead. It's like, wow, what is, what is uh, going on here? And I think maybe just to understand, and I'm not saying that like, I'm going to get suddenly completely to the bottom of it, but you know, I, I think there are some things that we, we need to understand. I think firstly, to reference the fact that the ark of God had actually been out of Binadab's house for 20 years, which meant that Uzzah, Abinadab's son, had been around the ark quite a lot. It had become familiar, become normal, become ordinary. And, uh, you know, I think that there is a place, you know, obviously it's not Scripture, but the Bible talks about the fact that familiarity breeds contempt. You know, we... We, get to, we can get to a place where we take for granted that which we once celebrated, that which we were once grateful for. And, you know, it, it, it made me think because, um, you know, for all our maybe methods of church or doing church change, there are godly principles Biblical principles that can never change. We are, we, there, there, are, there are the things of God that cannot and will not be adapted. And, you know, I, the, the, the thing I want to say is that <laughs> Uzzah reached out and steadied the ark that was on a cart, but it should never have been on one. That's... That's the reality of it. It should never have been on one. We read that in Numbers 7, verses 6 to 9. So Bible says that, So Moses took the carts and oxen and gave them to the Levites. He gave two carts and four oxen to the Gershonites as their work required. And he gave four carts and eight oxen to the Merarites as their work required. And they were all under the direction of Ithamar, son of Aaron, the priest. But, Moses did not give any to the Kohathites because they were to carry on their shoulders the holy things for which they were responsible. It was never meant to be on a cart. It was meant to be carried on the shoulders of men. And, you know, whatever we think of it, it happened as a died because... God has a way, He has principles. He has a way that He expects things to be done. And He would not allow David to reinterpret the rules. He loved David, but He would not allow David to reinterpret the rules. And, and uh, you know, David, the Bible says, became afraid of the Lord. In that moment, you know, like He was, he was trying. The, 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 the Bible says He put it on a new car. You know, he, didn't, he, he was trying to do his best. He didn't put it on an old cart. He, it was, he, tried to, he got a new cart, but he, it still should have been on the cart. It was, it was, it, there, were, there was all the kind of things that were going through the motions, but they were missing it. And, and David became afraid of God. You know, Proverbs 9 verse 10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. 
And I think that right at the beginning of a, of a, of a, of a new year, it's important to remind us in all the things, and this is a big year for us. We are, we're believing for some big things. We're believing for, for, some, for some great things. It's a, it's, a, it's a big year. But we need to understand that, that it is an appropriate thing to have a fear, a healthy fear of God. Fear here is, 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 is to do with awe. It's to do with respect. It's to do with reverence. But actually it is also a little bit to do with terror because God is awesome. God is, you know, not like teenager awesome. You know, everything's awesome, isn't it? But like God is, we, we, God is someone, you know, it, it, we've redefined the word awful because we've made it into a bad thing. But awe, to be full of awe, means that, that, that it's, it's like, it's something that, that leaves you, leaves you uh, silent, uh, uh, silenced by, by the greatness and the magnitude of who God is. And I, think, I do think it's important that sometimes we, as charismatic Pentecostal people, we get to understand that God is not our big pal in the sky. He's God. We, are, we, we sing it, don't we? we? We sang it years ago, you know, that we are a friend of God. Sure, we're a friend of God. And through Jesus Christ, our relationship with God is restored. But He is still God. He is Elohim. We sing that too. He is Elohim. He is the infinite, all-powerful God. He is the creator, sustainer, and supreme judge of the world. And he's kind and he's patient beyond all comprehension. But he is God. And there are certain, certain things that he will not allow to be interpreted. You know what? Newsflash, we can't just live life as we want to and call ourselves a Christian. We can't just turn up at church and think, that that is all that is required and that we tick the God box in our lives and we crack on and we do whatever we want. If we're gonna walk as children of God, if we're gonna see God do what we believe that He can do, then some things need to change. Title of today's message is Instead. Instead. And you know, I'll be honest with you, I mean, you might be thinking, goodness me, for... The first message of a new year, this is, um, whew, it's a bit full on. And you don't need to worry because by the time, some of you will love the end better than you do the beginning. But the point that I want to make is that we've got to grasp the beginning of this message to fully embrace what you're going to get at the end of the message. We love the end bit. We love, we're going to get to talking about the blessing of God and we love talking about the blessing of God. We love talking about what God can do for us. We love, you know, talking about going to the next level. We love all that, but we fail, we fail to understand what we need to bring to the party. God is not trying to ruin our lives. He's trying to mend our lives. He's trying to mend your life, trying to get the blessing to you. We have to, we have to observe his principles. You know, they, this is not just about 
You know, the, the, only, the only change that happens in my life is that I'm going to church. You know, we, we are building a church that influences our every day, our every moment of every day. It, it, it's, the way, it's the way that we live. So if God, in order to get hold of God's instead, you need to do some things instead. Turn to someone and say, you need to do something instead. And it's, it kind of starts here, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. And, and Peter answered them, Repent, change your views and purpose to accept the will of God in your inner selves instead of rejecting it. And be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of and release from your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is where it starts, guys. This is where it starts. This is, this is an, a, 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 a deep internal transformation. This is not behavior modification. This is God changing me from the inside out, changing my world from the inside out. It's, this is not keeping up appearances making things look good on the outside, making it look good for you, making it look like I've got it together. This is not Instagram Christianity where I'm posting stuff that makes me look like I'm holy, that makes me look like I'm on it, that makes me look like my life is together, but it does not truly reflect what is going on in my life. It starts with the cross. It starts with an internal transformation. My world changes from the inside out. It starts with my mind being changed. My mind being renewed. My attitudes. I love, I love uh, the way the Amplified Version puts it there. It says that, that we accept the will of God in our inner selves. I'm not just going through the motions on the outside. I'm my inner self instead of rejecting it. It begins with the cross. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, we're not talking about finding religion. We're talking about finding a relationship with God. We're talking about a transformation of your whole life, not just what you do on a Sunday and coming to church. When Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote to the Ephesian church, he wrote a letter to the Ephesians Ephesians chapter 5 puts it like this. It says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, Paul's saying, don't, don't, don't act thoughtlessly. We are, we are meant to think in the right way. Understand what the Lord wants you to do. He says, don't be drunk with wine. I don't want you to get too caught up with that because you know the truth is the Bible doesn't say that we shouldn't drink. If you choose not to drink, that is absolutely fine. 100% support it. It just doesn't mean that that's what the Bible says. The Bible says you don't get drunk. 
And, 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 and that's the point, that you're not meant to drink to excess, but then again, you're not meant to do anything to excess. And I think what the church has done has been really good at grabbing onto the whole alcohol thing, but not very good at grabbing onto the whole food thing, which is exactly the same standard. The Bible talks, the Bible talks about gluttony just as much as about drunkenness, because gluttony is another form of drunkenness. It's taking something to excess. And what Paul is saying, hey, there's something better. There's something better. There's something better than, than um, you know, eating and drinking because that will, that, will, that will ruin your life if you do that to excess. But instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's like, don't, don't be looking to the things of this world to satisfy you. Don't expect that alcohol or, or food or drugs or sex or shopping or anything is going to meet that need that only God can meet. So instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit because that's what you need, not the other stuff. In writing to the Philippian church, Paul said, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns and before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful. What happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life? Don't fret or worry. Instead, pray. Instead, don't, don't let worry and fretting take root in your life. Instead, turn that into an opportunity to pray because God wants to displace worry at the center of your life. He wants to give you an instead. There is something, but, but he gives you the responsibility. He, he says, hey, this is what I want to do, but you, you have to make the decision. You've got to make the decision to stop worrying and start praying. And when you do that, you give God the opportunity to displace worry at the center of your life. We need to give God what is his due. I'm always intrigued, you know, in Malachi 3, it says, I am God. Yes, I am. I haven't changed. And because I haven't changed, you, the descendants of Jacob, haven't been destroyed. You have a long history of ignoring my commands. You haven't done anything. You haven't done a thing, I've told you. Return to me so I can return to you, says God of angel armies. You ask, but how do we return? Well, begin by being honest. Do honest people rob God, but you rob me day after day. You ask, how have we robbed you? The tithe and offering, that's how. And now you're under a curse, the whole lot of you, because you're robbing me. Bring your full tithe into the temple treasury so there'll be ample provisions in my temple. Test me in this and see I don't open up heaven itself to you and pour out blessings beyond your wildest dreams. I mean, I, I understand you know, it's like, wow, why, you know, why are, we, why are we talking about this? Because this is the route to the blessing of God. When we get to the next part of the message, and you see, this is what I think 
is a little bit of a problem with the church today. We have great services where we all stand up and we shout and we say it's awesome. Blessings, blessings, blessings. More blessings, more blessings. We believe God for all that stuff and and we say all the right things and we go through all the right motions, but we don't put the right infrastructure in our lives that will draw the blessing into our lives. We don't want just a good meeting. I don't know about you, but in my life, I need something more than just a good meeting. I need some, I need the infrastructure of my life changing that will support and sustain the blessings that we're believing for. What is the point of praying for, uh, uh, for praying for water for it to get poured into a bucket with holes in? What if we, what if we, what if God is pouring out the blessing, but I haven't got anything to catch it in? Or when I do catch it, it just leaks away because I've not put in place the things that I need to put in place in order to contain the blessing of God. So I need to give God what is His due. Maybe, maybe for some of you, you, you haven't been tithing, but instead, this year is going to be the year. I was, we, had the, we had the young uh, 25 young leaders ran to our home, uh, leaders of TO. On Friday, my wife cooked. She cooked beef and gammon, some nice potatoes. We had brownies. These brownies, these brownies had to be, they had to be tasted to be believed. But anyway, get back in the room, get back in the room. They were awesome. But, but you know, I was talking to them. You know, I, I talked to them about 10 things I wish I'd known at 19. And, and one, as part of that, I was talking about, you know, like one of the things we've done all our Christian life is we've, we've, you know, the moment we got the revelation, we've tithed, we've given to God. And God has poured out blessing. And it's not that it's always been easy. There have been many times, extended a period of times, where it's not been easy, but as we have honoured God, God has honoured us. And maybe this year will be the year that you, you stop putting it off and you actually decide, you know what? I'm going to go for this because I want to I wanna seek God's instead in my life. I know, I know what I can do, but what, what, it might, what might it look like if I do it God's way? What might it look like if, 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 I allow, if I allow God to have His way in my life? In like manner, as we prepared that food, I couldn't tell you, I didn't have to lift a spoon to anybody's mouth. I didn't have to take a brownie and put it towards anyone's lips. Why? Because they fed themselves. The food was prepared, but they had to do do things themselves in order to enter into the blessing. You see, God has has prepared a table before us, but He's not going to feed us. He's not going to spoon feed us some stuff. He's prepared a table, but we have to step up and we have to feed ourselves. We have to avail ourselves of what He has prepared. So we're making the transition now into the next part of the message. But I don't want you to get so gassed about the next part of the message that you forget the first part of the message because they are two halves of the same thing. You gotta do what you gotta do. Turn to someone and say, you've gotta do what you've gotta do. So I'm fascinated by the fact that, you know, that morning, by like a catastrophic set of events, Obed-Edom had no idea that that day the ark of God was going to come to his house. 
He had no idea that the, the blessing of God was going to be released in his house. That's because it was never intended to go there. It was on, it was on a journey going to a different place. But through a set of circumstances, it ended up at his house. There was a divine diversion. A divine diversion right there in, for someone I've preached. God is going to give you a divine diversion. It didn't have your name on it. It wasn't addressed to you, but it's going to end up in your house. Because God has, God has made a way for something that was never intended for you to find its way to you. You got up in the morning, you weren't expecting it, but you're going to see it and you're going to have opportunity to receive it. It doesn't matter that it's got somebody else's name on it. It doesn't matter that someone's scrubbed out the address. It just means that God has ensured it's been delivered to your house and it's for you to take advantage of. I want to say, you see, and I, I, again, I think it's interesting because I, I believe, and I've talked about this before, and I want, it, I, if I, want, I want us to get it, I want us to get it, I want us to get it. There is an atmosphere that attracts the blessing of God. There's something about our hunger. There's something about our thirst. There's something about what we bring that makes a difference in regard to what God can do and what God can bring. Now, I know He's God. I know he's almighty, I know he's all powerful, but he has chosen to limit himself to our prayers and our faith. Let me show you something, let me show you something. See, in, in Matthew 13, Jesus, I mean, the backstory to this is Jesus went to his own town, his hometown, and he says there that, that and so he did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. He did a few miracles because, say because, because of their unbelief. So their unbelief limited God. That's how we can limit God, by our unbelief. Contrast that with Mark chapter 1 verse 32 to 34 where it says that evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town, mark that, the whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons. The point is that, that, that Jesus, that, that, that town, there was faith. Their faith released Jesus to do many miracles. Their faith released Jesus to, to, to transform people's lives through the release from demonic oppression. That, that's, that is the power of God. So the, the God was able to do something in that situation that he wasn't able to do in Jesus' hometown. Why? Because of the faith of the people. So there is an atmosphere that attracts the blessing of God. Now I'm going somewhere with this. Because I find myself intrigued. The ark of God was at Abinadab's house for 20 years. 
But we have no reference to the fact that there was any blessing released. You compare that with the, 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 what happened in Obed-Eden's house that, that in just three months, 20 years versus three months. 20 years, nothing happened. In three months, everything got blessed. See, I, this, this says something, doesn't it? This, is, this says something about the presence of God. It was the same presence. The same presence. The same presence took a guy out. The same presence did nothing for 20 years. The same presence touched everything and changed everything in three months. I think God has the capacity to be all those things. God has the capacity to be all those things. But there was something. There was something in the atmosphere of Obed-Edom's home that unleashed, released the blessing of God. That potential had always been there. It had always been there. It had sat dormant for 20 years. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I want to believe that God is able to release the kind of blessing that, that maybe it has been dormant for 20 years. Maybe it's not happened for 20 years, but in this year, we're going to see that kind of blessing. The kind of blessing that touches everything is going to be released. It has, we haven't seen anything like it for 20 years. But this year, this year, can you believe for this year? Can you believe that God is going to do something this year? This year, instead, I'm going to get something different. There was an atmosphere, an expectation at Obed-Edom's house that released the blessing of God. The tangible, manifest, obvious, highly noticeable blessing of God on the whole household, on everything that Obed-Edom owned in three months. It was, it was noticeable. It was absolutely noticeable. In fact, it was so noticeable that they, they actually came to David and say, hey, have you seen Obarino's house? My word. You see, you see, you see, David was scared now. He didn't want to, he didn't want, he didn't know what to do because he was afraid because he was saying, how can we take, how can we take the ark back? But when he saw the blessing of God, when he saw the blessing of God being manifest, when he saw the tangible results of the presence of God, confidence came back to him. Confidence came back to him and he was able to move where he'd been paralyzed. I'm telling you, somebody, somebody, you've been, you've been disappointed, you've been fearful because there are some things that have happened to you and some things that have happened around you that you didn't expect. But God is gonna pour out a blessing that is gonna see the confidence of God restored in your heart. See the confidence of God restored in your life. And where you were paralyzed by fear, you're not gonna be paralyzed anymore. You're going to rise up. You're going to stand up. You're going to walk and you're going to go where you never dreamed you could because you will observe with your own eyes the blessing of God. Can we believe this year that God has got some insteads planned for us? Yeah, that's what we have experienced. Yeah, that's what did happen. But this year instead, God is going to do something instead. Yes, God's insteads are dependent on my insteads because I'm going to do some things instead. 
But as I do my things instead, God is gonna do a new thing. Isaiah 55 verse 13 says, instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper. And instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. You see, the thing about thorn bushes and briars is that they speak of neglect. They speak of a lack of cultivation. They, they speak of, of something that is, is not pleasant to be around. It's a desert, it's a wilderness. But, but the thing about juniper and myrtle is that they speak of beauty and productivity. Juniper trees have berries that, that, um, that produce uh, uh, oil, essential oil and uh, they're actually a key ingredient in gin, but we won't talk about that too much. But they have, they have medicinal, they have medicinal purposes. There is, there is the myrtle tree, which produces incredibly beautiful blossom with, with fragrant leaves. Everything screams cultivation and care. And that's what God is, that's the kind of instead God has planned. You have experienced briars and you've experienced the thornbrush, but I have got something planned for you instead. You are gonna see the juniper tree rise up. You are gonna see the myrtle tree rise up where you looked out and you you saw thorns and briars, you're gonna see blossom. You're gonna have the fragrance of God's blessing released to you. And this will be for the Lord's renown. People are gonna look at you and they're gonna look at your life and say, wow, only God, only God, only God, only God could do this. Only God can bring this kind of turnaround. We know what it looked like before. We, we know what it was like before. We didn't even think that that ground could produce these kind of results. But God, God is gonna speak to that ground. He's gonna speak to those seeds. They're, they're, God is gonna speak to seeds and call them, cause them to germinate in ground that they should never germinate in. But because God is God, He can, he can make rivers flow in the Desert. He can do anything that is beyond your wildest imaginings. Is anything too hard for the Lord? That seed will produce. That seed will produce where the seed has tried to germinate and it has failed. Now in Jesus' name, it will be planted. It will put down roots. It will grow. It will do the purpose for which it was intended, declares the Lord. Oh my God, instead, 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 instead of all that stuff, God has got something else planned. He's got an instead. Isaiah 61 says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Of course, in this Scripture, it's talking about Jubilee and talking about the proclamation of the year's favour. But I, I want to come. As I read that, I felt I wanted to come and say, I want to I wanna declare, I want to proclaim over you. I want to proclaim over me. I want to proclaim over us a year 
a year of the Lord's favour. 2018, a year of the Lord's favour. 2018, a year of the Lord's favour. 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 Now understand that favour looks like what God says it looks like. Don't you sit there thinking about all the things that you now think that favour looks like. Favour means I'm going to get this. Favour means I'm going to get that. No, favour looks like what God says it looks like. But I declare a year of the Lord's favour over you. And, 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 and there was anointing. There was an anointing. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. There is anointing for the instead. An anointing for the instead. Because instead of ashes, there was a crown of beauty. Instead of ashes, the whole concept of ashes there is to do with worthlessness. What, what for somebody here, instead of feeling worthless, you will put on, you will wear a crown of beauty. You will rise up with beauty and confidence. God is going to call beauty out of ashes. If you, if you will allow Him to bring His instead to you, He will call beauty out of ashes. Instead of mourning, instead of tears, instead of a sense of loss, joy, joy. Instead of mourning, joy. Instead of sadness, joy. Instead of depression, joy. Instead of mental illness, joy, joy, joy. God is, God's instead looks like joy. And it's the oil of joy. It's not just joy, it's the oil of joy, the oil of joy, the oil, the oil, the healing oil, joy. When God releases joy, it will heal you. It will heal you, heal you from the inside out, heal your mind, heal your heart. When God begins to release joy to you, don't think to yourself, well, what have I got to be joyful about? There's that problem, there's that issue. I have, I'm, that prayer is still waiting to be released. That's, that's, that, that situation is still waiting to change. And you talk yourself out of your blessing. You talk yourself out of your joy by looking at all the problems. That is exactly how the devil works. But God wants you to look with joy. Allow the joy of the Lord. The Bible, the Bible says the joy of the Lord will be your strength. The joy of the Lord will be your strength. The oil, the oil, the oil will, the things that have been stuck it will loosen up. The oil will release the engine. The oil will release the engine. Things that have been stuck and useless and unusable, the oil will release it. The oil of joy, the oil of joy, prophetic joy. You, you, you'll, learn, you'll learn to have joy even before the prayer has been answered. You'll, God will release joy in you even before the answer comes. The joy, the joy of the Lord is your strength. That which is seized up is going to start working again. That which had seized up is going to start working again. Some of you, your faith has seized up. Your faith has seized up. You haven't felt God in a long time. You haven't felt God. You've, you've come to worship and you've been faithful, but God's felt a long way away. Well, God is getting ready to do something new in your life. The joy of God is about to be stirred in you and it's going to bring healing and it's going to bring hope and it's going to bring change. The Bible says, talks about us, instead of heaviness, He's going to, His spirit of heaviness, He's going to give us, He's going to give us praise. He says, put on the garment of praise. 
Put on the garment of praise. Put on the garment of praise. Put on, put on. You see, you're feeling, you're feeling the spirit of heaviness, but and he didn't say pray against the spirit of heaviness. He didn't say try and shake off the spirit of heaviness. He said, put on, put on a garment of praise. You've got to put something on. You've been trying to get something off, but you need to put something on. You've been putting some things off, but now you need to put something on. And that is a garment of praise. You've got to put on praise. You've got to put on praise. Turn to three people and say, you've got to put on praise. You've got to put on praise. You've got to put on praise. You've got to wear it like a garment. That, that whole world, if that whole world to do is heaviness, is, is like to do with a fire that is dying down. But God is, God is coming to say to us, if you praise me, if you praise me, if you praise me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stir you up. If you praise me, if you praise me in your home, if you praise me in your car, if you praise me in the office, if you praise me in the church, I'm gonna do something new in your heart. I'm gonna do something new your life. I am going to bring healing. I'm going to bring hope. I'm going to give you breakthrough in your finance. I'm going to give you breakthrough in your marriage. If you praise me. I'm going to give you a breakthrough with your son. I'm going to give you a breakthrough with your daughter. If you praise me. Oh, will you praise me? Take off. Put on a spirit the, the garments of praise. Take off the spirit of heaviness. The spirit of heaviness is coming off us. The spirit of heaviness is coming off. The spirit of heaviness is coming off. And praise is releasing us. Praise. Oh, come on. Begin to praise the Lord. Begin to praise Him. You've come to the end of this message. We hope you've been challenged and inspired. Stay up to date with everything going on in the life of our church by checking out our social media. Just search Heart Church UK. 